You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. All right, you ready? Uh, if you, you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn them. Uh, I'm going to have you go to, we're not going to read it at the beginning, but I just want you to have Philippians chapter 4 uh, earmarked. So if you have that, uh, we can get to that quickly when we get there. Uh, I'm actually going to start uh, by reading a verse from uh, John chapter 14, verse 23, and Jesus says this. You guys all look beautiful, by the way. It's amazing to see so many people uh, worshiping Jesus in one place. It kind of trips me out still. You know, I, someone asked me last week, sorry, I'm going ADD right now, but they're like, how did it feel last week? I was like, kind of strange. It kind of felt like I was a guest preacher in my own church. Like, it's like, you guys are all River House, right? You know, it's like I knew in my mind three services was bigger, but I didn't see it like this. So you guys are beautiful. Anyways, John 14, 23, Jesus is saying to his disciples, he says, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. And another word for abode would be home. We'll make our home in him. And I want to talk to you tonight about finding home in the presence. Because one of the things that is shifting in Riverhouse, and honestly, it's been a a mourning process, a grieving process for me in some ways, is that, you know, what started as this tiny, intimate community, and then we enjoyed three years where even though the church was growing, we still had more intimate-feeling services, we're growing And we talk about being healthy family all the time, but it's like, how can we actually continue growing and finding home and finding family if we just become a bigger and bigger, right? It starts feeling vulnerable on my end, and God just has repeatedly said, no, I am home. My presence is home. And so as the the family of Riverhouse grows, you need an upgrade in my presence if my people are going to continue coming home. And this is going to be and continue to be and continue to become and grow and mature into a healthy family. The more that heaven comes to earth, the more earth looks like healthy family. It is God's idea. God is family. God is home. And so as we come into him, he is who can create and continue and establish family. And so I don't want healthy family to be some cliche phrase that we throw around river house even as we start growing, right? And you start losing and you don't, everyone doesn't know each other super intimately. It makes me feel out of control. But God said, no. We have to actually be discipled more into a priesthood of the presence of God, right? God is, his dream for the church, right, and how he created it, even governmentally speaking, it's not for people to come and get fed from the secret place of a pastor or a worship leader or a worship team. He has created church to be a gathering place of the priesthood where we come and camp around the presence of God and are actually provoked and stirred with hunger to communicate with God because the word for presence in the Hebrew is face. So when we talk about being in the presence of God, we're talking about face-to-face communion with God. And God uses us as a priesthood, right, and a, a, a priest, a steward of the presence, is someone who communes with God face-to-face like Joshua did, face-to-face like Moses did, right, communing, and then God can use to continue the creating of his family. 
right? So, so God doesn't just want to use the staff of Riverhouse. That's not the purpose, right? The point and the way that we become a healthy family as we continue and grow from 700 to 1,000 to whatever it is to other churches to anywhere in India and anybody else, where else in the world that God wants to send the people of this church, the family will grow as we become a priesthood of the presence. We learn to steward him and host him and be conduits through which his divine presence, home, can manifest through our lives. Does this make sense to you? I'm trying not to be ethereal, but it's kind of ethereal, but I'm gonna try to ground this practically tonight because the point of this introduction is that God is wanting to bring us an upgrade of his presence. He's wanting to increase his presence in our midst. And I believe that that will happen as we corporately learn to host and steward his presence and become the priesthood that Jesus paid his blood to see created in the earth. Jesus never wanted a visitational relationship with you or I. He wanted face to face. And he came and shed his blood to make a way for us to come into communion with his presence, to speak with him, to talk to him, to know him, to become a living, breathing, uh, walking tabernacle, a home of the most high. If anyone loves me and obeys my commands, my father will love him and we will make our home in him. God is wanting to make us together, but individually as little priests, as little tabernacles, home of his presence. So I wanna talk tonight about how do we make that real? Cause that sounds like super awesome, but uh, how do we do it? Right, my role, and I, I, I felt that I needed to speak tonight of the pulpit. What I see my job in the pulpit, it's not to be like the head priest of Riverhouse, right? But it's that God has given me grace to articulate from my vantage point in this community and the giftings that He's given me what the presence, right, the language of the presence that is abiding over Riverhouse. My job is not to give you instruction for what to do. My job is to provoke you to to go. What God is doing in Riverhouse, right? As I are articulate, okay, I'm spending time with God. Here's what I sense the presence of God is doing in Riverhouse. I'm hoping that I will provoke a jealous hunger in you to go to God yourself, to be face to face in his presence and to contextualize what God is doing here into your life. Right, so the pulpit's to provoke you. I'm not gonna, that's why I don't preach three-point sermons. Like, I'm not saying that those are bad. I just don't do those. I think I've done it one time in my whole life because I'm not trying to give you three points to go follow that will change your life. I'm trying to provoke you with hunger to get into the cloud of his presence and commune face to face. I want to provoke you that there is more, that there is a mystery of knowing that you have not yet entertained, that there is a place of communion and fellowship that you were designed for deep within you that will never be satisfied until you behold him face to face. If you experience the presence of the anointing as I'm preaching, it's not to say, oh wow, Jordan, that's awesome. You're a great preacher. It's trying, it's prophesying to you. This is what it can look like. This is how God wants to communicate to you. You were created for face to face with God. You are a people of his presence. You are a royal priesthood, a steward, a host 
of the divine presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. You were made for it. And you're made to live in that felt experience of his presence all the days of your life. So I want to spend, I don't know how much time, but at least this week, maybe a few more, talking about what does it mean to upgrade in the presence of God, upgrade our relationship, grow up in God, grow in learning to abide in his presence. There's a lot of terms, but that's the one I'm going to use. And, and to do that, I want to contrast tonight a life of presence versus a life of performance. Is that okay? Presence versus performance. Right? Performance produces pressure in our lives. Right? If anybody, you know, some of you, you've may have performed. You know, I was uh, uh, an athlete uh, in more like, you know, roles that you're in more performance driven. It creates a lot of pressure. Right? Performance produces pressure, all right? And pressure, when I say that, I'm meaning stress uh, and or anxiety, right? So a life of performance has a lot of pressure and you'll experience a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, which are symptomatic of fear in our lives. And these are, these are different than a life of presence. This is, this is actually in competition. And so the reason I want to contrast performance and presence tonight is because these two things do not mutually exist. They're, they're oil and vinegar. They will separate. They are not cohesive with one another. Right? So performance has a lot of pressure associated to it. But we justify performance in our culture. We justify lives that are riddled with anxiety and stress because anxiety and stress get a lot of things done. They get a lot of results in our life. Am I right? Right? It's very easily to normalize this because of that. Stress and fear can be great motivators. And I've actually come into a deeper identification that the fear of failure has played a big role of motivation in my life. And, you know, there was a when I had just begun in ministry, uh, one of the first real big endeavors I did uh, was I was um, putting together this big retreat that was then going to, um, out of the retreat, result in a, I don't know what I'm kicking up here, but something. Can you imagine if I tripped? Uh, I was putting together a, like a, a launch team for a ministry that was going to be a retreat, and then it was going to launch into kind of this pioneering work of ministry in a different city. And... I had put all this time, and I was feeling really vulnerable about it because I'd never done anything like that before. And I had about 25 people that were fired up. And then like two days before the retreat, so I think we were leaving for like a Friday, Saturday retreat or something like that. And then Sunday was like launch. And two days before, I got a phone call uh, from a person in authority over me and maybe one or two levels. And... It was like uh, I was preaching at another college that night, and I got a phone call that said, you need to meet with me tonight. And I was like, well, I can't meet until like 11.30 p.m. It was like, we need to meet tonight. And I was like, I know what that means. Plug is getting boop, pulled, <laughs> you know? You're not laughing. Um, <laughs> and I remember this sick feeling in my stomach because I had invested all this time. 25 people were fired up. Like I was like, no, it's too late for the plug to get pulled. This would be terrible. And I was like literally nauseous, sick to my stomach for hours. I finally finished the ministry I was doing, got in the car, driving to this meeting where I was sure the ministry was going to be doomed. And all of a sudden that pit, it was like this pressure left the car. And I started getting so full of peace and joy. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, oh, 
I didn't fail. The plug got pulled. I couldn't even do anything about it. And it was like, man, this feels amazing. Praise God. Then I got to the meeting. It had nothing to do with that. The plug wasn't pulled. I got in the car and literally, boom, all the pressure came back. And it was like, whoa. And, I, and I, I don't think I even had discernment in the moment. It's taken actually time in retrospect to realize that was the fear of failure. I had so much pressure. The fear of failure. If, if, you, don't, if you aren't perfect, this thing's going to fall apart. If you don't know everything, if you're not an expert, if you're not this, it's going to fall apart. And that stress and that anxiety I have seen and had to continue to root out ways, even up until this very season of my life with River House, where this fear of failure wants to put so much pressure on me. Pressure is, performance produces pressure. You know, and pressure speaks a lot of messages to us. You know, uh, everything will fall apart if I. Uh, We won't financially make it if I. My spouse will reject me. They won't want me. They won't think I'm beautiful. They might cheat on me if I don't, if I do. My kids will turn away from God if I, I, if, you know, my body will look this way if I don't, if I do. We have all these statements that pressure is constantly speaking to us. If you don't, 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 then, then, then. And we know the consequences of the then. They're different for all of us, but we know they're bad. There are bad situations we don't ever want to see materialized. So that pressure pushes us. And that pressure pushes us and produces a lot of action. Am I right? A lot of action comes out of pressure in our lives. So many things, you know, and it pushes us to find solutions to problems. Right? But this, all this action, all this behavior, anything that derived from that pressure, from that if-then cause relationship where I am the solution, uh, it's all hinging on my behavior, that is performance. I'm now performing for a certain result to try to manipulate my circumstances from becoming something or becoming something I want or from becoming something I don't want. So instead of living this inward life where I'm a tabernacle of God, living in communion with his face, I'm inside out. I've now got to perform to like stranglehold my circumstances to produce a desired result or to keep an undesired result from happening. That's performance. Performance has manipulation woven all into it. It has so much stress. It has so much pressure. But this is the problem. It produces results. It, it, we, get, we get solutions from that pressure. We actually find wisdom from that pressure. Wisdom is creativity, it's solutions, it's problem solving, right? We keep the things from happening we don't wanna happen. We make the things happen we do wanna happen, but it's all driven by pressure, 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 pressure. Performance gets result, but this is the problem. It draws power from demonic earthly wisdom. And that wisdom actually produces an ecosystem of self-sufficiency in our lives where we're the solution. So it actually, even though the, we can find solution to the pressure and the problems, it actually reinforces this ecosystem of stress and anxiety because I'm the solution. Meaning I'm vulnerable to more stress and pressure because if I then don't, don't, 
if I, if, 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 and the bigger things get, and the more things kind of feel out of control in our lives, more and more and more and more and more pressure. This is where the addiction to busyness, stimulation, workaholic, all of it, it comes from the pressure. Pressure, 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 pressure. James 3, right? I just want to back up when I say something like it's demonic. This is James 3, verse 17. If you have bitter jealousy and self-ambition in your heart, self, don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and self-ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Right, so the pressure, all the action and the behavior of performance, it's drawing from a wisdom that is not from God. And we will get results. We will get, we'll find solutions to problems. We will, we will, uh, we'll be movers and shakers out of all of this pressure. Performance is a, gets admired in our culture. But we are creating an ecosystem where I am the solution and it all rests on me. And so the hamster wheel keeps spinning faster and faster and faster and faster and faster, right? Pressure, performance produces pressure, right? What we have to learn to do with this pressure, with this anxiety, with this stress, with this fear, is we have to trace it down to its source, which will always lead us to a fracture in our identity. And it's at that place of fracture where fear has fractured our identity. That is where the upgrade of God's presence comes, right there. That's the upgrade. So instead of letting the pressure push us into performance, we have to push through the pressure into his presence. And that's where we find peace. It's right there. It's at the fracture point. That's where your upgrade is waiting for you. So the pressure can push us out or we can turn and face the pressure, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, and it will lead us right to the place where God is wanting to do a work in us. And he's wanting to reveal who he is. I am your healer. I am your father. I am your security. I am your confidence. He will be who you need him to be. And the pressures of life reveal where God is wanting to work, but we have to look in. We can't look out. So performance produces pressure, but presence produces peace. Are you following me? This makes sense? So contrary to popular opinion, peace is highly motivating. You know, in the, the world we live in right now, everybody's talking about atmosphere or work culture and linking that to productivity. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of research even around the color of rooms and the mood of rooms and the felt atmosphere of any work culture. They're, they're trying to you know, optimize productivity from the way we're actually designing workspaces. Right? Culture is a huge word right now from you know, the micro level of organizations, homes, classrooms, whatever it is. It's everyone's, everyone's trying to figure out how do we create a culture that's conducive to the best results. Right? God has a culture right? and peace is the felt expression of God's atmosphere, right? His kingdom is peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? So if you want to know what heaven feels like, the atmosphere of heaven feels like, what his culture feels like, it's peaceful. It's extremely peaceful. He is Jehovah Shalom. All is well, and all shall be well. It's peace. Right? God's atmosphere is peace. 
right? And, it, and peace is the force of rest. We think of rest as something we do at the end of the day, but that is not God's governing order. It was night and then day the first day, night and then day the second, right? So God's days actually start in the evening, and right, from evening to evening is God's calendar, meaning that rest is the foundation of the day. Right, so rest produces peace, and peace propels us into all of our exertion. That's God's order. Right, peace was meant to be our daily living experience. He is the prince of peace. It says in Isaiah 6, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. If you want to know what the kingdom feels like, it feels like peace. And he's always wanting to increase his government, increase his authority in your life. And the way that you'll know that his increasing his government, his leadership in your life is that you will have more deeper experiences of peace. You will abide in peace at a greater and a greater and a greater level. He is the prince of peace. He says, I'm with you always. I'm Emmanuel. I'm never going to leave your side. Jesus never makes you feel pressured. You know, when you're in those times and you're in his presence and he speaks to you and you hear his voice, do you ever feel really pressured? No, God is a God of peace. His kingdom is a kingdom of peace. We don't need pressure to, leave, to live productive lives. We don't. That is a myth. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You don't need to be stressed to be fruitful in your life. You weren't designed to be motivated by pressure and stress. That produces burnout. That produces all kinds of vulnerabilities. That produces you and makes you weak to so many things. You are designed to live in peace because you are a tabernacle of Jesus Christ's presence and he is peace, the prince of peace. Shalom is your inheritance. Peace is your daily portion. Right? And this is the amazing thing about peace, right? Because I, I want to I demonstrate to you why peace is actually, it's, it's, not, just, it's, it's, more, it's not just like, oh, you, you don't want to be stressed. Because, you know, peace, you will be more fruitful living a life of peace than you will living a life fueled by performance and driven by pressure and stress and anxiety. You will. Because peace makes you vulnerable to the whisper of God. You cannot hear his voice when you are pressured and stressed. You can't. You can't. Because he talks in a whisper. When you connect to peace, it creates inner tranquility. And tranquility neutralizes the impulses of the self-ambition. It neutralizes that so you can actually be impressionable by his whisper. And it clears the palate of your soul so that it can be a place for true wisdom, creativity, solution to flow from within you. You are a creator made in the image of the creator. Your life is meant to exude divine wisdom and our source of wisdom is the whisper of God. So if you want to see divine wisdom bring divine solutions that will bring divine fruitfulness, you have to have the prerequisite of peace so that you can get to the source of that wisdom, which is the whisper of God. 
And read James 3. He, 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 he details the difference between demonic wisdom and the wisdom of God. And he uses words like this. The wisdom from above is pure. It's full of peace. It's gentle. Full of mercy and good fruits. Unwavering without hypocrisy. A life of peace positions you to receive the whisper of God that you get filled, you're resourced with divine wisdom. And divine wisdom brings divine fruitfulness. And at the exact same time, it, it, it reinforces a paradigm where peace is the protector of your mind and of your heart. Because the answer never came to you and it's not depending on you, it's depending on him. And where is that biblically? You're in Philippians, you have that? This is Philippians 4. We'll start verse 4. This is a popular verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, so Paul's a Hebrew here. He uses rejoicing, thanksgiving, and prayer. Right, he's actually talking about drawing near into the presence of God. He's saying, resist the pressure of anxiety, but instead enter into his presence and in his presence, you will find peace, and that peace will guard your heart and your mind. Right? You are a creative, powerful being called a human being, the God image bearer. And he is a creator, and he wants to speak to you. He wants to resource you with divine wisdom every single day of your life. That is your portion. And as you grow in peace, you will also grow in the expectation of being resourced with divine wisdom. Because if you're anything like me, you're facing problems in your life all the time. Amen? How many of you are facing problems in your life that you need solutions to right now? How many of you feel pressure about those situations? Right? The pressure is trying to signal to you where the source of divine wisdom will be. But you've got to push through the pressure. You've got to sit and you have to fight for his presence. Because in his presence is peace. And in his peace, you're vulnerable to his whisper. And his whisper has wisdom. And his wisdom brings solution and creativity that will lead to fruitfulness. We're made to be habitations of God. What that means is that when people look at your life, they should say, only God. How the heck are you so fruitful in all these situations? Wisdom is given explicitly to make you prosper in all the situations of your life. Right? We've marred that with this prosperity gospel that over-accentuates financial blessing. That's, that's, you know, that's, you know, there's rubbish in there. We know that. But wisdom is given to make you prosperous in every situation of your life. And I, divine, I define prosperity as a life of abiding peace. So wisdom is given to make you financially peace, financial peace, emotional peace, physical peace, marital peace, occupational peace, familial peace, right? You, you are designed to prosper in all situations of your life, which is to manifest peace 
in all of them. And God's wisdom is given to you to help you do that. It will give solution. It will, it will show you how to navigate situations. It will give you what you need in the moment that you need it. Right? God is not like, hey, yeah, I'm just going to speak to you every once in a while in your life. That's, that is an old covenant reality, but that has become the norm of American Christianity, and that is a tragedy. Because he shed his blood for you to come near. And so what does the enemy of our soul do? And just, you know, the enemy, I'm not like a, hey, let's go focus on the enemy, but he hates you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to rip your inheritance from you. He wants to ransack your identity. He wants to literally destroy you. He plays dirty. He plays cheap. And he wants to speed you up. He wants to pressure you in all types of performance. And then because that's all about your own performance, get your ego tied into all the fruitfulness that you're producing so that you are blind and deaf to the whisper that is inviting you into the life that you were created for. He is not afraid of you when you're busy performing and striving out of anxiety and stress. He doesn't even need to spend any more resources. What he fears is a person of the presence. He fears someone living a life abiding with God. How we combat, you know, the, the, his schemes is we have to engage face-to-face -face with the presence of God every day. That's how you protect yourself. You just never leave. You just never, ever leave his presence. You know, there's a dependence in the suffering parts of our planet amongst the churches that is lacking in, in, in the American context generally speaking, and they recognize that they're in a war because they feel and experience pain all the time, and they see horrible things happen all the time. So it's not very hard to forget the reality that there is a wicked force of darkness that wants to destroy people. But in America, we get really busy with our lives and all these things, and it's like we forget sometimes that there is an imperative that we are in the midst of a fight and we need his presence. I, I do not think that we need to go to the suffering, you know, global south in order to awaken to a dependence that we need his presence. Right, we're the most addicted country in the world. Like we have to wake up to his presence. We have to get out of anxiety and striving and workaholic and focusing on productivity and productivity, productivity. And we have to make his presence the priority of every day of our lives or we are so vulnerable. It's his presence. His presence. Our life is centered around his presence. It's everything. It's everything to know him, to be in him, to find peace in him, to hear his voice. We need it every day. God humbled Israel for 40 years to teach them one thing, one thing, that you don't live by bread alone, but you live on every word that comes from my mouth. 
And yet we have an epidemic of, of a spiritual deafness in the church where people think it's normal to say, I don't really know God's voice. That, that is dire. That means that we're operating in a way that we're missing his voice because he's speaking. He's never stopped speaking. We're just deaf. And it's not because we don't love us, we're not prophetic, we're not spiritual enough. It's because we are going too fast. We're so busy performing, 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 performing. Pressure, pressure, pressure. We've learned, we operate so quick, we don't even realize it's the pressure driving it. But if we will stop and breathe and seek peace, seek his presence, we'll know. We'll know. God is wanting to bring you and I an upgrade in his presence. The only way this becomes healthy family is if we find home in him and not on Sundays, every day of our lives. And he wants to resource you in different ways for the different places that you're in, but you will find everything you need in his presence as daily, daily bread, the same way that your body needs food. Your soul, your spirit needs his presence, needs his voice, right? Needs peace. We're well fed physically in this nation. But for some reason, the Church of Jesus Christ is full of hungry orphans that don't know the voice of their dad. So God save us, liberate us from our culture that has hook, line, and sinker bought into performance. You're enough, your identity is enough, you're secure right now, but we have to find that. I believe God's wanting encounter, to do two things tonight, and that is, there's some of you that need an encounter with peace, and in that peace, he wants to fill you with wisdom, and there was a few different things, but I felt like God is, he's wanting to give wisdom to navigate familiar situations in brilliant new ways, so like, the circumstances aren't going to change, but you're gonna find an upgrade in navigating the same familiar patterns that aren't working, of endless stress, of hitting your head against the wall, of the relational stripes. He wants to give you the wisdom to navigate them in brilliant new ways. And this will be found in peace. You'll get that whisper of wisdom in peace. So I'm gonna, I wanna, I'm just gonna call out a few different things. And if it's you, I just want you to stand and then I'm just gonna pray. Uh, George's going to come up, play some music, and we'll just kind of usher into a ministry time. But the upgrade's for you. The grace of God, I, I heard a preacher say this recently. So the grace of God is that you can feel really, really good about where you are, who you are, and also really, really excited about who you're becoming. So don't hear condemnation in this. Hear the invitation of your father who said, I love you right where you are, but there's more I wanna do.
and I'm really excited about it, so you should be too. But it does require change, and change is vulnerable. But your body's been changing since the day you were born, so we just got to catch up and embrace it, huh? So a few different things. The first is in your marriage. Wisdom to navigate familiar situations in brilliant new ways. If you need that in your marriage, I want you to stand up. The next is, is parenting uh, with your kids. Wisdom to navigate familiar situations in brilliant new ways. Void of pressure, void of performance. Uh, work relationship, and that's twofold. Uh, some of you, it's the people in your work. Some of you, it's actually your relationship with your work itself. There's a lot of pressure that you're bringing to your job, and it's just kind of endlessly disappointed because of that. Financial stewardship, wisdom to navigate familiar situations in brilliant new ways. And then lastly, in your, in your, in your spiritual life, like I had the sense like prayer disciplines around the word of God. He wants to give you wisdom to navigate that in brilliant new ways. Yeah, so Father God, I just ask for peace right now. We love your peace, Jesus. And I ask that you will manifest in this room as the Prince of Peace. You just walk amongst the rows. You'll lay your hands on your people. And that they will experience the portion of their inheritance this day. God, that peace is their birthright in Christ. God, let peace wrap around the minds of your people. Let it touch the hearts of your people. God, a peace that protects and guards them and creates inner sanctuaries of tranquility where whispers can be heard. God, may anxiety flee from this place in Jesus' name. We relinquish all the pressure. And some of you just need to open your hands, just relinquish and tell God, I let go of control. Control is the fruit of fear. Don't have to control what people think of you. Because if you're trying to control what people think of you, you actually are trying to convince yourself of who you are. Just let go of control. And Jesus, fill it with peace. May peace displace fear and displace stress and displace pressure and displace anxiety. Some of you might be convicted. There's patterns in your life around any of these things I called out, work, finances, relationships, where you just see you've been, uh, you've been operating on unhealthy patterns, addicted to certain behaviors. Just, just tell him you're sorry. He's not condemning anything. He's given you vision of where your upgrade is coming. Just thank you for peace, Jesus. Lord, and we ask that in the peace of your presence, God, not just right now, God, but day after day after day, God, there'll be a renewed vulnerability 
to your whisper. God, that you actually cultivate inner tranquility that neutralizes all the impulses of the selfish ambition, that neutralizes all the voices of fear and the voice of the pressure. And release your wisdom, God, that will lead your sons and daughters right down to the deep questions of their soul, to the fracture place, fracture points of identity where they yet don't really know who they are. And speak, speak. Just pray that prayer of Samuel. Here I am, Lord. Give him your presence. Yeah, if you're on the prayer team, you can come forward. And some of you, this is just a moment between you and the Prince of Peace who absolutely adores everything about you. So if you're encountering God, just stay right where you're at. Some of you, you might need some help. You just might feel prompted that you want to receive someone to pray for you, partner with you. Um, you can come forward and receive prayer. Some of you, you uh, it might be time to go. And that's okay too. Because we're just going to we're just going to give you space to do what you want now and commune with the presence of God. So we're just going to put the lights down on one level. We're just going to soft close service. Uh, you can, I'm just going to pray a blessing and then you're, you're free to exit. But we ask that you ask it quietly and then you're free to come forward and receive ministry and you're free to just stay. You don't need to perform right now and there's no pressure. So just follow peace. And if you need to stay, stay. And if the Lord wants it, you know, you're free to go too. So Father, we just love you. I love your presence, Jesus. There's nothing like it. There is nothing that has ever come close to touching me the way that your presence touches me. The security, God. The goodness and the joy. together as a family in your presence. And I pray, God, that we will be a priesthood that finds home in face-to-face -face communion. And we will then carry home everywhere we go for the rest of our lives. God, make us healthy family. Make us the holy priesthood, stewards of your presence, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.